Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. It's a rematch of the 2012 Champions League final this week as Bayern Munich meet Chelsea. No Didier drop by this time around, but will Thomas Müller repeat his goal-scoring feat of eight years ago? Bet365 offers a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime markets. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Stylecast, the carnival edition. Bayern's fancy dress rehearsal for Chelsea nearly goes pada wrong. Leipzig make fools out of Schalke, the title is on. Is Nuri Klinsey in disguise? Hertha lose 5-0 to Cologne. And is Dortmund mask their flaws at Bremen, we ask... Are Werder now gone? All these and all other burning questions will be answered in this week's Stahlcast pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today's jesters are Kevin Hutchard, Archer in Tut, and fresh from his hummus-making duties, Jonathan Harding. Thanks for that. Gents. <laughs> it is carnival. Uh, we know Archie was wearing some weird uh, boxer bathrobe thing. Um, Kevin went as a musketeer, I saw. Um, if I had to take a guess about Jonathan Harding's costume, I would say Elvis. Or maybe Emre Chan? Wow, that's a, that's a great <laughs> guess, actually. Fun, funny, statistic, funny story. Elvis uh, was the song uh, that I sung when I first played for, for BSC's reserve team. You know, when players have to sing a new song when they arrive, I sang uh, um, Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis. So yeah, not, not far away. Good shout, Rafa, good shout. But did you have the whole white... Elvis in Vegas get up uh, no it's just the voice actually my Elvis right, voice is not bad no. <laughs> say, John's got enough hair there he's got enough hair to slick that back into a full Elvis that, that's why I was thinking Emre Chan as well because Emre Chan's hair is of course magnificent okay in, enough of that um, Bayern are playing Chelsea on Tuesday we saw what they did against Paderborn you actually commented on the game Kevin should Bayern fans be a bit concerned? I don't think they'll be concerned in the sense that I would expect Bayern to uh, be a lot more clinical, I think, against Chelsea and have their game face on because they never really did against Paderborn. It was a really sloppy performance. Hansi Flick played this kind of quasi-back three that didn't really work. He managed to wedge Alvaro Odriozola into the team for the first time in the Bundesliga and he didn't have his best game playing as a as a wing back really and they needed Robert Lewandowski to get them out of trouble with a couple of goals in the second half there were positives thought Serge Gnabry was fantastic again that's double figures now for him in the Bundesliga in four straight seasons across three different clubs so that bodes well ahead of the trip to Stamford Bridge but in terms of how seriously they approach the game. Uh, it wasn't great, to be honest. But should we just have this down as, yeah, a sloppy performance on the eve of a big game with a team that wasn't quite the 11 that we'll see at Stamford Bridge or were there bigger failings, um, failings like we have seen in, in many, I don't know, not maybe in many games, but in, in, in some of Bayern's performances in, in recent weeks, Jonathan? No, I really don't think this matters. Like, and ultimately, I think it's funny because you know these are the type of games that Borussia Dortmund will lose um, or Leipzig will draw. 
And we seem to be giving Bayern extra criticism because they're Bayern, obviously, but they won the game. Okay, they were a bit, you know, under the weather and not not quite great because they've obviously got half an eye on Chelsea. But three points is three points. It really doesn't matter, especially at this stage of the season, how how you get them. And I think Bayern will be pretty pretty happy about that. I mean, if you only have to look at Gladbach's result to know that a win is so important at this stage of the season. I wouldn't be worried at all. Bayern are going to be fine going into Tuesday. I don't think it's a part of a bigger problem. And we saw Collins Rummenigge come up with some interesting statements uh, ahead of the trip to Chelsea saying, Hansi Flick is very much in the vein of Pep Guardiola and Louis van Gaal and all these great coaches that we had. We now have our identity back. We're playing a possession game. Are you fully convinced or were you a little bit suspicious thinking perhaps that Rummenigge is talking fl- Flick up ahead of this game, uh, perhaps Bayern themselves are still not 100% convinced that he is the right man forward. What do you think? Given how much he was hurt by last year's exit against Liverpool, I think that there is a certainly an element of him talking it up here because if they go out to Chelsea, Hansi Flick ain't getting the job. I'd be very surprised if he does because it's all about the Champions League. And one of the things that, that Rummenigge was saying as well was that he wants to experience one more day like like the one they had in 2013 before he goes in 2021. I'm not sure that this Bayern team is capable of it, but that said, the way they've been playing under Flick has me more convinced, given the way that other top teams in Europe are playing right now. I don't see why Bayern are too far off that level. The question is, as ever, the deeper the, the Bayern get into the tournament, can they keep all their key players fit? and not suspended. I think that they should have too much for Chelsea, but going further than that, you you just have to see how the lay of the land is. But I've certainly been impressed by the way that they've played under Flick. But as as John was saying there, Paderborn are actually a difficult side to play against because none of the top teams have really thrashed them this season. So I think just getting past the the really tricky, weird hurdle that Paderborn presents is just enough, really. Well, Chelsea will present a hurdle as well. And uh, it's maybe a little bit unfair to compare them to Paderborn, but they're similar uh, in the way that they play on the counter-attack and can create real problems for this Bayern team defensively. What do you think, Kevin? Have they now found this balance and this old dominance to deal with all aspects of the game and completely exert their their you know their identity onto opposition sides, or is this still a team that's attempting to get back to that level? I think the ruthless edge is back in terms of how they've been dismissing some teams. I mean, if you look at the way they went 3-0 up against Köln in 12 minutes the other day, that was highly impressive. And I think in attack, they look a lot better. Their work against the ball is good. The pressing has been good. The concern that came maybe from the Paderborn game and maybe gave Chelsea a bit of a template is the high defensive line. There is space beyond it. There's no question about that. That puts a lot of pressure on Manuel Neuer to play his sweeper-keeper role. And we saw he takes lots of risks. We know that most of them pay off. Against Paderborn and Dennis Sabaney, one of them didn't pay off. He didn't seem too worried about that. But I think Chelsea will look at that space behind Bayern's high defensive line and think that they can exploit it. Who's laughing about Manuel Neuer there in the background? (laughs) That will be me, Raph. (laughs) I will will not have it on this pod. (laughs) 
There's no laughing about Manuel Neuer. Not a great weekend for our goalkeepers that Bayern will have at their disposal next season um, in terms of performances. So, yeah. Yeah, Awkward. Nubel not looking all that secure for Schalke, of course. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we move on, let's talk a little bit about Thomas Müller and what he told me in this uh, very generous interview he gave uh, in The Athletic. Of course, you can read it uh, online. He was basically saying that Bayern's structure is highly important for him and indeed all players to shine. And he felt that the structure was perhaps missing after Pep Guardiola had left, he called it a bit of Wild West. Now, is that structure now solid enough to do it in Europe is the big question. We heard Kevin's view. What do you think, Jonathan? I actually think Bayern Munich uh, are a little bit of a dark horse this year. I think it's an advantage that they don't have uh, a name as a manager. Hansi Flick really isn't a, a dominant name in, in the managerial space. I think that's an advantage for them this season. I think the Champions League field is, uh, maybe this is controversial, but weak um, outside of Liverpool. Uh, I think there are teams there that are beatable from Bayern Munich's perspective. And obviously a lot depends on the draw, but I think they've got an excellent chance. I really do. Um, the way that Flick has got them playing is is completely different. And as Kevin mentioned, you know, the dominance is back and that's a big part of their identity. If they can transfer that into Europe, by getting ahead early in games, I feel like that's really the key. They've shown that if they can put their foot down in the first 20, 25 minutes of a game and take advantage, it's very difficult for the opposition to come back in. Um, I think they've got an excellent chance. Um, I know that there are lots of other teams out there, but I just feel right about now that this could be a, a special year for Bayern Munich. When I got the sense that Müller perhaps feels the same, he certainly was very optimistic about 2020 in all sorts of different ways. Before we move on, I want to take a moment to tell you more about the great things going on at The Athletic. The Athletic is home to 400 of the best sports writers out there, covering every major team in every major league in the US, Canada and the UK. Apart from the great content we produce about the Premier League, my favourite is the amazing Liverpool stuff from Simon Hughes and James Pearce, but then again I might be biased because of the manager in charge there. There are plenty of exclusive Bundesliga and German football stories to be found at The Athletic. So if you want to find out what Thomas Müller makes about Niko Kovac's tactics, how Erling Haaland came to play for Dortmund and why Toni Kroos loves playing for Zinedine Zidane, sign up and customise your starting page to get all the features and insights about the teams and leagues you care most about. Life is not quite the same without it in my view. Yes, I could be slightly biased again, but simply put, we have the best sports newsroom on the planet. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash pod to save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out at £3 a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world. What are you waiting for? That's theathletic.co.uk forward slash pod to save 40%. So go on, give us a spin. Uh, moving neatly on to Schalke, we've already mentioned Nubel's problems and holding on to balls and shots and all these things in a 5-0 defeat to Leipzig. Is this just a really bad spell they're experiencing with lots of injuries, with Leipzig being in top form and super confident after beating Spurs? Or... Are we already at the point where the Wagner revolution has to be called off like many revolutions before? I don't think it's necessarily a false door just yet, uh, which would be false door number 376, I think. But 
Um, <laughs> the, the concern is that they've actually reverted to bad habits in the last few weeks. So all of the talk when Wagner arrived and in the first few months where it was going well was that, oh, we're having fun now. We're combining. We're trying to play attacking football. We're not just hoofing the ball long at every opportunity. They've kind of gone back to that. I mean, Aris, who was the absolute key to everything they did in an attacking sense, isn't getting enough of the ball. And what that's done is it sparked a bit of bad body language from him. I think he's frustrated. I think we're now not seeing good performances from him. And what that does is it then puts pressure on the back line. And because they've had so many injuries in that area, I mean, it's a constant revolving door of players in those centre-back positions, then it just means none of the parts of the team are functioning. So I don't think... It's a massive crisis, but I think David Wagner does have to address just why they seem to have lost faith in their attacking game. This team might just be coming back down to its average as well, Raf. I think it's, it's, you look at them before the season and where they were, if you told them that they would be sixth at this stage and still knocking on a Europa League place, I remember seeing them at Mainz last season when everything came crumbling down for... Christian Heidel, and then a few weeks later for Domenico Tedesco. And they have, up until this weekend at least, looked a lot more solid. But that said, I think that the whole goalkeeping situation with Alexander Nubel, this has been a time bomb waiting to go off. The fact that he's whistled by his own fans, that he was not having a good game, I, 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 don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's up for debate. But that sort of thing, the way that the club made him captain at the start of the season... That puzzled me a bit, given the fact that it was a pretty much open secret that he was off to Bayern, at least. So I think that there has been a certain papering over the cracks at Schalke. And also going forward, I saw them last week at Mainz in person and that they were struggling to combine to get to the opponent's, um, to get to the opponent's box. And you see how starkly the how much more progress they've got to make when you're facing Julian Nagelsmann's Leipzig as well. Because there is a side that can do it all. And that I think you just saw pretty much how limited Schalke can look up against a really good side like that. Regressing to the mean, I think, is certainly one of the uh, explanations. I think Nubel is in a difficult position. I think the reason why they gave him the captaincy was the old Cesc Fabregas trick of yeah, yeah, you'll be our captain, you'll stay here forever. And um, that didn't quite work out um, <laughs> so so well. Um, but let's perhaps move it on, with, on to Leipzig. We know that Schalke are still a work in progress. We know that they have injuries. But Leipzig have had a massive week, haven't they, uh, Kevin? They have. Um, you know, it was a massive test for them in North London in the Champions League and they passed it with flying colours not just tactically but in terms of their performance and I think that could prove to be uh, a watershed moment in terms of their confidence because if you look at their big games against Bundesliga title rivals they haven't been losing them but they haven't been winning them either and they haven't been able to put together a, a full 90 minute performance so this felt very important in that sense and we saw them cut loose against Schalke and they are looking very, very efficient. They look as if they're enjoying their football. What's been remarkable is how solid defensively they've looked, 
when you bear in mind they haven't got Vili Orban, who is a natural leader at the back for them. They haven't got Ibrahima Konate either. So it just shows you uh, how well Deo Upamecano is playing. Obviously, he didn't play against Spurs, but did play against Schalke. And guys like Marcel Halstenberg and Lukas Klostermann, who've been moved from the full-back positions to centre-back, have done ever so well. Yeah, but it was easy because... Spurs had no players. They had no strikers. What could they have done? I've enjoyed watching your cynicism on Twitter about this over the last few days. It's it's been a a real popcorn-eating moment, Raph. (laughs) Well, I'm always amazed that people still kind of fall for this stuff. And it it annoys me a little bit when when managers or other people get away with with such things. Um, Jonathan, how... Convinced are you about this Leipzig side? Will they have what it takes to to go now and basically win every single game? Because that's probably what's necessary if they want to win the title this year. I mean, I remember saying a few weeks ago that I, I thought that they had an excellent chance and I really thought they would challenge. And, and I thought the game against Schalke was proof that that's the kind of performance that you need. I mean, I think that's the best Leipzig performance I've seen under Nagelsmann. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about the Spurs game, but uh, I thought they were brutal. I mean... Every time they'd scored, it was almost like they were suddenly back on the edge of Schalke's box again, as if there hadn't even been a kickoff. And that's a sort of suffocating performance that makes it very difficult for the opposition to have even a chance in a game. And I think the way that they play uh, makes it very difficult for a lot of teams to even have a chance to breathe in games or to play the way that they want to. Um, The big question for me is twofold. Is one, if they can always be as ruthless as they were against Schalke. And secondly, if they can always find a way to beat a deep lying opposition. Because as we saw in Frankfurt, they really struggled to find a way past a team that effectively played on the break. And I think that's the the ultimate challenge for Nagelsmann. I mean, he showed against Spurs that he could do that. the question will be whether he can do it in the Bundesliga for the rest of the season. But I think it's exciting for the league generally because it means the Bayern have no opportunities to to let up or take their foot off the gas or to slip up, unlike in previous years where they had a lot of breathing room. I think Leipzig will be there uh, with them all the way, every step. And every step with them on the way seemed to be a team that we thought would be unable to have that kind of consistency. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is a new Borussia Dortmund under Lucien Favre, a 2-0 win at Werder Bremen, very composed, defensively solid, all the sort of things that we don't usually mention when it comes to Dortmund. What's going on here, Archie? I think we actually just saw the same performance that they gave in the Bundesliga their last season, except they cut out the stupid errors that led them to dropping points and in the end dropping the title because, yeah, this, this Dortmund side, I can't remember... Werder Bremen having a decent opportunity. And with Borussia Dortmund, you usually accept that you're always going to get at least one. So I think really encouraging, I think what we're seeing is the effect that Emre Chan is having on this side in terms of putting him alongside Axel Witzel. That's creating a really solid axis in the middle. Erling Haaland, he's, he's quite good at football. He keeps scoring goals and is always in the right position. I, th- I think a very encouraging side for Dortmund. But also, I think if you looked at this performance last season when they were leading the table, it would have seen, been seen in the prism of, oh, Dortmund are nervous. They didn't create anything in the first half. But because they're chasing, it looks like an assured performance of a side that knows what they're doing. And I think this is a team that 
is very much benefiting from the fact that they're not quite at the top of the table right now, that the pressure is on other teams. And that is allowing them to build a little bit of momentum now. And I think they're certainly going to be a team to watch in the coming weeks, I would say. So Dortmund playing the same way as they overdone, but without the mistakes, it's a bit like saying Kalito's way, but with the happy end, he doesn't get shot at the end. Um, <laughs> but I do understand. I do understand what you're saying. Um, was it very important that Favre picked the same eleven uh, that had beaten PSG? And is it important that uh, your lookalike? Jonathan Emre Chan is having such an important impact. <laughs> I mean, all I can say is that, you know, uh, Emre must have taken some influence uh, from, from the interview that we did after the Germany game in Dortmund. And uh, he must have seen my hair and thought, you know, this, this, guy's, this guy's got it right. You know, that's, that's why he wants to join the club. No, I think it helped that they played Werder Bremen and not Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, let's, let's not um, overhype the performance too much. I think uh, it's easy to get a little carried away. I do think that they deserve some credit, Bridget Dortmund, but... Uh, I'm still very hesitant to apply too much praise to a side that has put everyone through a roller coaster ride over the last few seasons, well, the last few weeks, really, about whether they're great or whether they're terrible or whether they're great. Werder Bremen were probably the best side to play at this stage um, because they look like dead-on relegation candidates. So they were able to find space. I mean, I think Haaland himself said, I think he wished he'd scored more after the game. Uh, and I... <laughs> I think there is definitely a value in pick, picking the same team. Um, Favre needs to get that consistency. I think it's slowly but surely this 11 is looking like his best 11. Uh, I think there's there's a case to be made that that's, that's certainly maybe with Julian Brandt uh, coming in there, but it depends because Emre Chan, as you say, is playing so fantastically well. I really like the fact that he just adds a bit more aggression to midfield. Obviously, Axel Witz was very controlling. He's got a good engine. But I, I like that Emre Chan adds a bit more bite to the midfield. He really brings a bit of, of controlled aggression that I don't think was in this Borussia Dortmund team beforehand. So slowly but surely, it feels like all the right ingredients are there. Now they've just got to make sure that they, uh, they deliver consistently. Are we saying that Dortmund's best team is without Marco Royce? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know that that's really controversial, but I think form suggests... Um, it, it, where would you put him in this team? You know, I mean, and and without Julian Brandt, which is also controversial. Yeah, I think it is slightly controversial. I mean, I I'm a big fan of Julian Brandt in the centre, but I think it depends on the opposition. I think in some games you can have uh, Chan and Witzel. I think in other games I would definitely have Chan and Brandt. Um, I don't think Brandt should play on the wing. I think that's a waste of his ability. I think he's obviously shown in the in the last few games before he was injured that he was best in the middle. But it's that amount of flexibility that's really great. I mean, we've always talked about Dortmund not having enough quality and depth. And now they have Royce and Brandt as, as alternative options. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash German and cover just a postage of $4.95. Gotta pay the postie. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of Stahlcast, you get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, 
Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time, the power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy, just go to beer52.com forward slash German to get your case free. And don't forget right now, Stahlkast listeners get two, three extra beers. That's all great news. I think we all agree that Dortmund are moving in the right direction. Uh, the same cannot be said of Werder Bremen. Uh, they're moving very much towards the second Bundesliga direction under Florian Kohfeldt. They've been incredibly loyal. Naively so? Foolishly so? What do we think? It depends where you pin the blame, really, because the automatic reaction in this kind of scenario is to look at the coach and to say, it's not working, he has to go bring in Bruno Labbadia. But um, (laughs) I, I think... There is a feeling that injuries haven't helped. They've been so unlucky with injuries and that the players are seriously letting him down. Frank Bauman, the sporting director, would never necessarily publicly turn the finger on, uh, towards himself and say, it's my fault, but I think the recruitment's been poor. I think there's no question about that whatsoever. And you look at the errors they're making in terms of conceding goals at set pieces, that's down to concentration. How much more can the coach really improve that? So I think there is still a feeling that he is going to stay. I spoke to somebody who had a chat recently with Marco Boda, um, the club chairman, and Boda was pretty strong in his backing of Kofeld. They don't feel the coach is the main problem. They feel it's the players who need to actually dig in and show that they're worth what they're being paid. And I'm not too far away from that school of thought myself. I think Kevin's right. I think the players have to take uh, some responsibility. I'm sure that... Uh, they have to take a look at themselves. I, I mean, I think Leo Bittencourt has been very good. He's certainly been pushing the boundaries of effort, but I think a lot of those players, considering the quality in that team, really has to to improve. Uh, I think there are questions to be asked of of Corfield, but I think players are players need to improve. I'm sure Archie sees it the same way. <laughs> we all applauded their ambition uh, at the start of last season, and indeed at this season when they were like, "We're going to go and." and we're going to go for a European spot. And it was like, okay. But the big difference that I see in this team right now is how they miss Max Cruiser knitting it mm. all together going forward. Yeah, that's that, a good point. Yeah. That for me is, is just the biggest hole. And to be honest, I thought that with this group of players, they would be good enough to move on without him. I have been proved very wrong this season because, wow, (laughs) going forward, they look pretty hopeless. And it's just stunning to see players who you were thinking they're going to be picked off by bigger clubs, uh, such as Ludwig Augustinsson, Jiji Pavlenka, to name a few, to just see them be now part of this real mess of a side. And as Raf says... You wonder, given the lack of urgency that there seems around Bremen, it's like, ah, there's 11 games, we'll sort it out. And it's like, Dusseldorf are starting to play all right. 
okay, there is nine points ahead of them. Herta don't look great right now. But otherwise, there's not many teams around them. And if I was a Werder Bremen fan, I would be worried. I'd also be worried if I was a Hertha fan. Yeah, uh, yeah quite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not a Hertha fan. Um, I'm not sure how many Hertha fans still admit to being a Hertha fan uh, these <laughs> days, because it's quite. It's quite grim. Um, aren't you being of the Cologne persuasion? You must have enjoyed that, or was it too cruel watching like a cat ripping out the the legs of a mouse? Is playing with. <laughs> First of all, Raf, it's a Fortuna Cone persuasion, most importantly. It's not um, the same. But how, how dare you? How dare you? The, uh, the cup final defeat to Cologne uh, way back when is still weighing heavily on many's minds, particularly because of a third-tier relegation last season. Anyway, Cologne right now, I don't think anyone saw that performance coming, particularly after the way they played against Bayern. Okay, you would maybe expect a reaction, but Horst Helt, the sporting director, was crediting coach Marcus Gisdol for his his, uh, pre-match team talk, saying, you've got to play for the city, lads, given the fact that it's carnival. But that said, he had to cope with Jonas Hector, his captain and one of the big leaders in the side, getting injured in the warm-up. In comes Elvis Rexpachai, son of the Wolfsburg groundsman, on loan. And Scrabble only winner. Played a ma- <laughs> yeah, quite. And only played a matter of minutes this season. And he runs the game. That said, I, th- I would have backed many of us to run the game, given the way that Hertha were defending. <laughs> this was the defending of a team that is going into a relegation battle at an alarming rate. And I think, yeah, Hertha are in real trouble, particularly given I, I, I see a bit of a split in the squad and the way that they've been treated. You have players who have come in expecting to be first choice and there is zero structure there. I just imagine that in some dark room somewhere in Hungary, sipping on a light, n- nice glass of, of, of wine, you have Pal Dardai smiling, being like, I told you I was doing a good job because, wow, how Hertha have fallen apart. I think there's two things here. The first thing, Marcus Gisdol wore a Musketeers costume at a carnival party. <laughs> Who else wore a Musketeers costume? Yours truly. So I think you took inspiration <laughs> from that. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing, uh, I've been covering this league for quite a long time now. It's the worst first half display I've ever seen in the Bundesliga, <laughs> ever. Uh, and I genuinely mean that because every single part of the team failed. No midfield, defensively all over the shop, especially against the counter-attack. The goalkeeper kicked a shot onto the post, onto himself and then in. So Rooney Jarstein joined in and in attack, nothing at all. So you had Matthias Cunha and Christoph Pionsek, the brand new strike force who contributed Absolutely nothing. They didn't even have a shot. It was pitiful. I really liked uh, Marcus Gisdol's comment after the game. He was asked about the performance, given that it was Carnival weekend. And uh, he said, well, we knew everyone was parting and that they would be glancing at the the game on the TV screen. So uh, we wanted to give them reason to carry on parting. I thought that was very apt. Quite right. Of course, there's absolutely no danger that Cologne fans will get carried away with this performance. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be in the Europa League next season. (laughs) Notoriously realistic bunch. (laughs) Yeah, level-headed to a fault. 
Um, no, the good news for Hertha's and Alex and Anui, they have someone who's very experienced in a relegation battle. Um, perhaps not in the way that you'd want him to be. Uh, what was it, the stat you mentioned to me the other, the, the other day, Kevin? Is it one win in 23 now for it's him? It's one win in 23 now, yes, across wow. his time at Verde, Ingolstadt, and, uh, and now Hertha in the top who, two. Who brought him to Hertha, I wonder? Who, who had this weird idea? <laughs> Klinsman, to, surely. To put him there. <laughs> he was blown um, in by Storm Jürgen, I think. Mm, yeah, okay. The Cologne fans on, on Saturday were singing Jürgen Klinsmann's name, which Ouch. I thought was, was well done. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Now, before I let you all go, um, we know that Gladbach against Hoffenheim was somewhat overshadowed by the controversy about the uh, anti Dietmar Hopp banner and the fallout from that. Now, I don't really want to talk about it because I will cover that in great detail in my column in the Athletic this week. But to put it back onto the stuff that happened on the pitch, Archie, mm-hmm. what did you make of this Gladbach side? Was it one of those results where you just feel that they're still not quite ready to push all the way? It felt like the protest stuff with Hopp that was related to the performance because it took the wind out of their sails and it created a really weird atmosphere in the stadium. I thought that they gave a a good performance in the first half. Max Abel put it well. He said that they didn't have the majority of the ball necessarily, but they were still creating chances. And when you have a penalty to go 2-0 up, you've got to score it. Alassane player didn't. And Hoffenheim always looked dangerous. It was a really quite an, an attractive game to watch in that both teams were getting the ball down on the floor and trying to beat each other's press. And Hoffenheim were just lacking that final pass. But for Gladbach, I, I thought I saw a good side who weren't quite at their very best, but they were also coming up against very strong tactical opponents. I spoke to Alfred Schroeder after the game. And he was telling me that because, I, I mean, credit to Alexander Zickler, the uh, former Bundesliga super sub king before Niels Peterson overtook him, uh, who is in charge of Borussia Mönchengladbach's set pieces, because this is where they were having a lot of joy in the first half. They had three very good chances. Matthias Ginter took one of them. But in the second half, uh, Alfred Schroeder said they looked and went through all the set pieces. They were using man marking because... Uh, The problem he finds with zonal marking is that you've got to have a very big and imposing team to be able to use that. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. And they made the adjustments. And I just think that from a Gladbach point of view, it was a case of they didn't take their chances. They certainly had enough there, but they won't face a side of Hoffenheim's quality every week. And they still have a game in hand against Cologne to come at home they're still with that if they win that they're still within three points at the top of the table I wouldn't say it's alarm bells for Gladbach well Gladbach will come under pressure from Leverkusen who are resurgent um, driven on by Kai Havertz who's been quite majestic uh, they were once again very comfortable against a admittedly pretty ropey Augsburg side if we were to take a guess or perhaps even a bet do we see Leverkusen sneaking in fourth or will Gladbach hold on what do you think John. No, I think Gladbach will hold on. Um, I was very impressed with Leverkusen and uh, I still think they've only lost uh, one game in, in 2020 uh, in all competitions. So I think there's some a definite level of resurgence there under Peter Bosch. I was particularly impressed with Moussa Diaby. I thought he had a fantastic game. Uh, and I, th- I think it's one of those, you start to see a few more individual performances creep out and that 
basically helps the collective. Um, I was also really impressed with Edmund Tapsoba. Uh, his pass from his passing from from the centre of defence was a big reason that Leverkusen were able to expose a lot of space in and behind Gladbach, uh, behind Augsburg. But I think Leverkusen are not going to not going to reach Gladbach. But you know they've got to go play Leipzig next weekend, so that should be a fun game. Uh, but I think Labach will just have enough. Tapsoba might well be the um, best 20 million euros anyone has spent, uh, apart from Dortmund on Erling Haaland, of course. I think it'll be tight, actually. I think my big concern about Leverkusen for a while has been the defensive side of their game. Because I think the way Peter Boss wants to play demands a lot of his defenders and you looked at them and thought are they the best players in the team no probably not but I do think he's looked very impressive since coming in I think John's absolutely right to point out Moussa Diaby because I think he's been playing lights out for quite some time now uh, now that he's convinced Peter Bossi should be in the team Kai Havertz who was captain at the weekend um, looks very very good again having had a rest over the winter break I think between those two Rhineland rivals, Leverkusen and Gladbach for that fourth spot, it's going to be really, really tight at the end of the season. Listen to you, Kev. Look, Leverkusen have always got a Leverkusen in them. You know it's going to happen at some point. They try and fool you by playing all these wonderfully convincing performances in a row. Well, I say wonderfully convincing, you know, they still conceded three against Dortmund. But, and then at some point, you know they're going to go and lose to Cologne 2-0. It's, it's just what they do. I, I think it's what's going to make this top this top four race exciting still uh, because you've got teams who are going to be putting pressure uh, on that title race there as well. If Leverkusen were to win at Leipzig next week, they'd be within three points perhaps of, of the top because Bayern have got a very tricky away game at Hoffenheim as well. So I think I'm, I'm, I am with you, Kev. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be tight, but I just know that in the game where we least expect it, in the game where we expect Leverkusen to roll the opponent over by three or four goals, they will then go and lose 3-1. And you'll just see Peter Bosch brooding after being like, why does this always happen to me? Well, this is quite a down note to end this on, but time is up. I have to release you, Archie, back to uh, Carnival. Kevin, back to watching Star Wars again, I take it. Um, yes, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jonathan, back to making some hummus. Bring some over next time you're I will do. in Podland near the Athletic. Um, I'm Raphael Honigstein. It's been my pleasure to have you, listener. We'll be back next week on the Athletics Stylecast Pod. Bye.